What up, Barflies? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code, and you can take us wherever you go. So just pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks, and let's go, Calvin. Happy Monday, everybody. I see Stephen Rose here, Gotham. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for joining us. I hope you all had a wonderful weekend watching some NBA basketball, right, Cal? Some pretty good games to watch this weekend. Great games. First week of the NBA playoffs. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about today. We're going to start off with breaking down all the games that happened on Saturday. We have four games. The Jazz at the Mavericks, the Timberwolves at the Grizzlies, the Raptors at the Sixers, and the Nuggets at the Warriors. Then we're going to go into Sunday's four-game breakdown. Hawks at Heat, Nets at Celtics, Bulls at Bucks, Pelicans at Suns. And then we're going to give you guys a quick little uh, preview in today's games. There are three games on the schedule. The Raptors, the Jazz, and the Nuggets all play today. They are all on the road. They are all trying to get back into the series or get up another game in the series and then we're going to talk about some injury updates what's going on with imani bates and we're going to end the show today as always with q a you guys the bar flies here right cal basketball basketball more basketball that's what's on the menu lots of basketball so hope you guys are ready grab your drinks and let's go all right calvin so first game on Saturday, it was an early game, or for us anyways, very, yeah, very early. Yeah. The Utah Jazz go to Dallas and take on the Luka Doncic-less Mavericks and win 99-93. Calvin, this game was much closer than I anticipated. It was much closer. I, I give a lot of credit to the Dallas Mavericks who, you know, almost every team, every good team in the NBA has three studs on their team, right? Most other teams have two. Mm-hmm. Dallas only has one. I mean, they have some really, really good players, right? But I'm talking about star-level players. They had they've two, o- and they they've traded They've only one. got one, and he's not playing anymore. So they should be getting beaten by 10 points, I think, even at home. But give them a lot of credit. They stuck with the hard defensive game plan that they've had all year long. Um, Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie were really, really good down the stretch they hit a a few big threes there late in the game Mm -hmm. to get back uh make this a two you know four point game a couple of times Um, but the jazz were too much for them at the end yeah they were you know if if this was a game last season utah probably would have won by 30 when they were actually a good team and you know not that they're a bad team at this point but they're just really have underperformed this season uh, and especially in this game for me, you know, 32 points by uh, Donovan Mitchell here, Bogdanovich, another 26 points for him. Not too much off the bench. Jordan Clarkson only had 10 points in this game. That's pretty surprising to me. And then the guy that really didn't show up offensively is Rudy Gobert. I mean, he had 17 rebounds in this game, three blocks. He's done his normal, usual thing on the defensive end of the floor, but only five points. Didn't make a single field goal in this game. All those came from the free throw line. Yeah, thank goodness for Boyan Bogdanovich, right? Because otherwise the Jazz don't win this game. I'm definitely calling out Rudy Gobert. It's funny, during the telecast of this game, I forget who the broadcasters were, 
But the color commentator at one point made the statement that Rudy Rudy Gobert was dominating this game without a single field goal. (laughs) And that is so far from the truth. I mean, yes, he did have 17 points and three blocks, which, you know, when you're a multiple-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner, that's what you expect to bring. But this guy's going to make over $40 million next year. And if you're supposed to be the number two, and you're putting out all these comments about how people are trying to break us up, they don't appreciate me and Donovan together, (laughs) you've got to play bigger in these moments. I'm sorry. You just absolutely have to. You're the biggest guy on the floor. You should be totally dominating inside, offensive rebounds, putbacks, all that stuff. I'm not asking for 20 points Mm -hmm. a game out of this guy, but you've got to play bigger. And then Mike Conley is another guy that they need to play much better as well. Six of 12 from the field, it's good percentage-wise, but he didn't really show up until the fourth quarter. Only 13 points in this game, and he had more turnovers than assists. That's They're going to skate their way through this series without Luka Doncic that way, but they're not making it past anybody else with those types of numbers. Yeah, and Royce O'Neal only three points as well. When you have eight points combined from two of your starters – it does not look good. Uh, you know, I know they traded uh, Joel Ingles or Joe Ingles. Um, he's not on this team anymore, but this team is relatively healthy as of right now, which the Dallas Mavericks are not. They're missing their superstar player, and they only lost by six in this game. Dorian Finney-Smith, 14 points. Uh, Reggie Bullock, haven't seen that guy in a while, 15 points. Spencer Dinwiddie really proved that they made the right move in trading for him, 22 points, 10 points from the free throw line. And then Jalen Brunson has been playing absolutely incredible. This guy is in line to get paid Big, yeah. I I don't know how the Mavericks are going to hang on to this guy. Twenty four really. points for Jalen <laughs> Brunson, seven assists, or sorry, seven rebounds, five assists. A great game, and basically drove yep. them almost to victory, but just fell he a did. little bit short there. He did. Yeah, I mean, both teams didn't really shoot well at all in this game. That's certainly one thing to watch for in Game Two. The Jazz, uh, one of only two teams in the league to attempt over forty three is a game. They shot 7 of 22 for three from three in that game one. If they're able to come out and really hit threes, and it's not just Donovan Mitchell and Bogdanovich. Jordan Clarkson starts to hit threes. Mike mm-hmm. Conley starts to hit threes. Then they're a completely different team. Not good news for the Mavericks. Uh, Luka Doncic is doubtful for game two, so it looks like he is probably going to miss another game. But, hey, they might be able to steal one of these games. They really will. Calvin, Steven wants to know, who is your dark horse for the playoffs? Man, that, that's a tough call right now. Um, you know, I think Brooklyn is probably the easy answer, right? Just because they really shouldn't be a seventh seed, and yet here they are as the seventh seed. But I, I'm not really even sure that counts as a dark horse pick. You know, a lot of people expected them or picked them to be in the finals before the year started. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Shout out to Priest here. Priest at work and still listening in. Thank you, Priest. We appreciate all your support. Yeah, that's tough. I I mean, Brooklyn is probably my pick just because of the way that they got seeded. And I don't really trust any of these other low-seeded teams Mm -hmm. to to start knocking off the one, twos, and three seeds once they get into the second round. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, if you do consider Brooklyn a dark horse, they are going to be my dark horse. Another team I'm looking at here, and, you know, a lot of people are probably going to say this is not a dark horse team, but I don't hear many people choosing them to win the championship, and that's the Warriors, right? Is they're coming yeah. back. I was going to say them too, but again, does that really count Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. a dark horse pick? Um, and then most overrated and underrated team in the playoffs. Oh, wow. Um Gosh, that's another tough one. You know, I, I think Philadelphia was probably everybody's pick for most overrated before the playoffs started, and that might have changed after game one. I, I'm not really sure any of these teams are overrated. Uh, who's, who's the most underrated team? Unfortunately, or I guess it's not unfortunate, but I'm going to pick Miami just because still nobody is talking about this team. They finished the year first in the Eastern Conference, yet everybody expects Milwaukee and Boston uh, and even Philadelphia to, to be better than them and to beat them out in the playoffs. So I, I'm going to go with Miami, who had a really strong showing in game one. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And if I were to go with most overrated, don't take this the wrong way, but I'm going to say the Memphis Grizzlies. And the reason why this team is an excellent team, uh, I think they have a really bright future ahead of them, but I think they're maybe a year or two early. Uh, I have them going to the second round, losing in the second round. I think they're a really good team. I just think that they uh, had an unbelievable season, and maybe they're ranked a little bit higher in the innings than they really deserve as far as uh, competing for a championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that they might be ahead of schedule here. Um, they definitely earned that two seed, though. I mean, like we said before these playoffs started, they on paper might be the best team in the NBA if you just look at the numbers. Yep. So I don't know about how overrated they are. Maybe they're they're not ready for the moment. But also, we'll talk about that series here in a second. I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back, have a really strong game too, and that series is even. So, last thoughts on the Jazz, Cal, before we move on to the second game on Saturday. Well, just to reiterate what I said before, uh, I'm calling out Rudy Gobert for game two he has got to show up and play better he's got to give them more than five points otherwise they might like you said be in danger of losing a game here to a Dallas Mavericks team that is playing without their star um, and really you know shouldn't have much business winning any of these games mm -hmm. and also then another key for me to watch in that game two is three-point shooting the, the Jazz shot it really horribly in game one, seven of 22 from the field. They attempt over 40 a game. So I, I expect them to come out guns a-blazing here in game two from three. Yeah, Jazz need to play better. That's just bottom line. They have to play better. They have to take advantage of these games where Luka Doncic is not available. If they want to win this series, uh, you know, if Luka Doncic comes back in game three, game four, and uh, the, the Mavericks were able to, like, split the games, between then, like it's not oh, yeah. good for the Jazz. Dallas so. wins game two. They're playing with house money, even yep. if the series is even. Yep. All right, moving on, Calvin. We had an exciting second game on Saturday. The Timberwolves go to Memphis and steal a game 130, 117. However, Calvin, the highlight of this game, I know you were excited. This was like one of the most excited games you, oh, yeah. you were to watch this, yeah. this uh, offseason. The most exciting part of this game for me is we see another protester chain herself to the basket in this game. Yeah, it's getting ridiculous it, out here, man. It took security uh, multiple minutes to remove her from the court, to break 
the chain or cut the chain. What is going to happen in game two, Calvin? Because I don't know. How can you top what's what's happening here? I'm not really sure. Somebody's going to make their own parachute and parachute in yeah. from the top deck? I, I really don't know. I mean, you glue yourself to the floor for uh, the last game, then this game, chain yourself to the basket. I don't know what to think about the Minnesota Timberwolves owner at this point. Glenn Taylor is apparently killing birds or something that is upsetting all these Chickens. protesters. Chicken is yeah. a bird. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that's <laughs> it's chickens or the animals that are, people are upset about. And uh, I, I'm sure he secretly is loving this, right? Because the team is undefeated when people do stunts like this. So he's just yep. saying bring it on. And more people know his name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to the actual game here, Calvin, it was a high-scoring game. Minnesota is just playing much better than I anticipated. Uh, you know, we saw them win with Towns fouling out, not having that great of a game. He had a good game in this game. 29 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists, a block. He only had 3 fouls, so he seemed to uh, kind of figure that out. Um, didn't pick up then, his first foul until the second half, I believe. And then a huge game by Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards, welcome to the playoffs. 36 points. Other than that, those two guys, you know, you had 23 off the bench with Beasley. He was huge for them. But other than that, you know, D'Angelo Russell kind of disappeared again. Uh, some of these other guys disappeared, and it didn't matter for this uh, Minnesota team. No, it did not. Anthony Edwards has officially arrived, as you said, in the playoffs. He's officially arrived in the NBA. Um, this dude is, he's an absolute stud. Uh, like, and he's so, so young. It's just crazy to me. Um, but if he continues to play like this, they are an absolute problem. They are going to need more out of D'Angelo Russell, only 2 of 11. But when you get 23 off the bench from Malik Beasley, 4 of 10 from 3, and Jaden McDaniels played really well too. 15 points off the bench, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, and 3 blocks. Uh, this game was exactly as advertised. Fast and furious. Mm -hmm. If you blinked, you might have missed 20 points in this game. <laughs> um, and we also talked about how free throws would be a critical part of this game, right? Minnesota last in the league in free throw attempts given up to their opponent per game. The Grizzlies shot 43 free throws wow. in this game, only made 32 of them. And the Timberwolves were 24 of 27 at the free throw line. That it right there is basically the difference in this game. I'm not worried about Memphis, though, for one reason. Jaron Jackson Jr. only played 24 minutes in this game because mm -hmm. of foul trouble. He was in foul trouble right from the beginning. He still managed to have seven blocks with five minutes to go in the third quarter. Wild. That is insane. So if he stays on the floor longer, I expect him to shoot better. He's going to score more than 12 points. If he stays out of foul trouble, the Grizzlies have a much, much better chance to take control of this series again. Steven Adams the same way. He was in foul trouble as yep. well, also only 24 minutes. And Dylan Brooks was also in foul trouble in this game. Ja Morant shot 20 free throws in this game. That just goes to show how aggressive he was in this game. He just put his head down, got to the basket, got to the free throw line, made 16 of those, which is great. 32 points for him, four rebounds, eight assists, a steal. An amazing game for Jaw Morant. Unfortunately, Memphis does lose. But, yes, Calvin, on the bright side, 
I think they will play much better in game two. It is at home. Uh, they definitely need to get a win in game two. Otherwise, I'd be a little worried going back to Minnesota with all the protesters yeah. down 0-2. <laughs> Well, the protesters have no problem traveling, it seems. So they're gonna, they might have to worry about that no matter what. But you're right. They can't afford to go down 0-2 against the number one scoring team in the league who is playing really, really hot right now. Yep. So biggest takeaway from Minnesota at Memphis before we move on here. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway overall is Anthony Edwards is a flat-out star. He's a problem. Um, the Grizzlies were having playing multiple guys on him all night. Dylan Brooks, who did miss a bunch of time there at the end of the year, I, I expect him to to be really really physical with him in game two. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's going to make a difference because mm -hmm. Anthony Edwards is a really physical guy himself, and he's just so skilled. I mean, we've saw seen him all year long attack the rim at will, uh, but in this game, he was finessing his way to the rim just sidestepping euro stepping around guys left and right uh he's really figuring it out very quickly here yep yes he is game two should be very very exciting and it is uh tomorrow all right moving on here calvin we have the toronto raptors visiting the philadelphia 76ers the talk has been about joel Embiid going for MVP, James Harden, what potentially he would do in this game. But the absolute stud in the hero is one of your favorite players, Tyrese Maxey, 38 big points, 5 of 8 from three-point range. Incredible game from Tyrese Maxey, and uh, Philadelphia wins. Yep. Called this on draft day when Philadelphia took him with the, 20, I believe it was 21st overall pick. Uh, two, two drafts ago. This dude is another young stuff. I mean, we're going to be talking about these young players in the league for years and years and years, right? First time in NBA history, playoff history, that four players age 22 or younger scored 30 or more points in a playoff game. And it almost happened on the same day, I think. Yeah. It did happen on the same yeah, day. Yeah, it's wild. So, yeah, I mean, everybody, when James Harden got to Philadelphia, people were saying, this is the next Shaq and Kobe they might have already had it. I said that. They, I, I'm not going to lie. They I might have that. already had it before James Harden got there. Yeah, it's for me, the takeaway from this game is everyone's like, Matisse Thibel, what's going to happen when they go to Toronto and he can't play? He came off the bench, played 19 minutes in this game, three points, one field goal attempt, one made. You know, everyone talks about the defense, but Philadelphia won this game by 20. I think Matisse Thibel missing games two or sorry three and four in toronto is no big deal well it's no big deal if philadelphia can score like this right um you know even james harden who didn't shoot well overall from the field he was still four of seven from three and philadelphia as a team shot 50 percent from outside yep toronto stands no chance if they're going to come out and do that and another thing that uh needs to be mentioned here scotty barnes who almost had a triple double in 32 minutes Rolls his ankle when Joel Embiid falls on him. It looked real bad. He's going to miss game two. That's a bigger issue for the Raptors than Matisse Thibel not playing for the Philadelphia 76ers, in my opinion. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I, I think my original pick, let's see here. My original pick, I had Toronto losing in five games. 
I don't know if it's going to go five at this point. If if Philadelphia can keep this up on the offensive end of the floor, you know, we both talked about Joel Embiid and how he was going to beast and have huge performances. 19 and 15 is is pretty big, but I was expecting Joel Embiid to have 30 in this game. I think he can go for 30 in this series. Uh, I think Toronto's seriously in trouble here. I do too. The fact, Exactly like you just said, the fact that Embiid – uh, only scores 19 points when he averaged 30 a game for the season, and Toronto lost by 20. They were down by 20 for most of this game. Mm-hmm. That does not bode well for them. And I got to give a shout-out to your guy, Pascal Siakam. 24 points, three rebounds, seven assists, three blocks. Really kept him in this game. Uh, Siakam, Barnes are the reason the Raptors even had a chance, if they didn't have a chance in this game. But... uh it's good to see Philadelphia starting out on the right foot here. It really is. Yeah. Any other last thoughts on this game before we move on here? Uh, I think this series is over. <laughs> if Scotty Barnes isn't able to come back, and, and even if he does try to tough it out, uh, a severely sprained ankle, it takes a long time to recover. So his lateral quickness is probably not going to be there for a while. As a defender, you really, really need that. Yep. It, it's going to be a big, big blow to the Raptors and it, you know if the Sixers are still we didn't even mention Tobias Harris had 26 points in this game mm-hmm. he's like the forgotten guy now on this team yep. which he is probably just loving because he's probably he's getting the better <laughs> best shots he's gotten in, in a long time um, and if he you know keeps up the hot shooting as well it's just too much firepower for Toronto to overcome it really is all right next up we have my most exciting game, or the, the game I was looking forward to most on Saturday, and that was Golden State against Denver. The Warriors win 123-107. We got to see, uh, you know, no Steph Curry, or sorry, Steph Curry came off the bench in this game, played 22 minutes, uh, 16 points, three rebounds, four assists, a steal. Seems to be getting right back in the rhythm. No problems for Golden State in this game as they completely dominate. 19 points for Klay Thompson. Jordan Poole had an amazing 30-piece. And, uh, you know, Denver doesn't really have much to answer back. They have the Joker. He had 25, 10, and 6. Three steals, a block in that game, was in foul trouble. But uh, where is Denver going to find the offense, Calvin? That's a very good question because Will Barton added 24 points himself. That's probably above what you would expect from him. But to me, it it comes down to bench depth, which is one of the things we talked about before this series started, right? The Warriors just have, again, too many bodies. Uh, If Steph is going to come off the bench and score 16, but Jordan Poole, goes for 30 it was a pool party like mark jones said yep that there's just not much you can do to overcome that i think if you're denver i I mean this team's too good they're too deep um and they're really solid defensively too so they're they're just going to make it hard hard for denver to score um it's it's unfortunate because denver is so depleted with injuries you know who knows what this team will look like next year fully healthy and this series certainly would have been much more exciting if Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. were playing. But that, that's the way it goes. You know, sometimes you just don't have your full team available. And unfortunately for Denver, I think they're, they're looking at an early exit too. 
And we got to see a Boogie Cousins ejection in this yeah. game. That's exciting, right? Especially for Always us Kings exciting. fans. Always exciting. He does not disappoint. Steven wants to know, how many sweeps will we see in round one? Man, I, I only picked one before the play, before all of these series started. Of course, injuries, you know, change things mm-hmm. mid-series like that. I, I'm still, I, uh, excuse me, I still don't think you're going to see that many. Uh, but certainly the Philadelphia series now is, a, is one to really watch with Scotty Barnes being hurt. I think Philadelphia can really take control of the momentum. That could very well be a sweep. Miami's looking like they might sweep as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm expecting all these other teams to get at least one game. Yeah, I think the only sweep that I predicted was the Chicago Bulls getting swept. Uh, but we'll see what happens. I mean, as you mentioned. E- like, even that series. Yeah. You know, the Bulls really hung in there tough and had one of the worst shooting performances maybe in playoff history. Mm-hmm. They still had a chance to win there with a minute left to go. So, Yeah, and, you know, just remember, all these are just the first game of the series, right? So we could look at a game and be like, oh, it's over. It's going to be a sweep. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. But they still have to play the games. Things happen. Injuries, as you mentioned, happen. Momentum happens. Sometimes teams just show up cold. Uh, We saw last week a team having to walk to the play-in game because their (laughs) Their bus bus. couldn't get there. So there's all these outside factors that could happen. I only have one, (laughs) but we could see more. Yeah, Yeah, we could see more. How many seven-game series will we see in the first round? Did you pick any seven-game series? I did. I have Brooklyn and Boston going seven games, which I definitely am still on that train. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota, I picked it to go six games, but I think that could easily go seven also. Uh, Outside of that, I don't think you're going to see a seven-game series in the first round. I only have one seven-game series picked in this entire playoffs, and it's in the second round. So we will see there. Anything else you want to talk about regarding this uh, Denver-Golden State game? Yeah, I mean, I I feel for Jokic. The guy had one of the greatest seasons in NBA history, and now he's got to go up against uh, a team that is finally healthy. And just a few years ago, we were talking about them as one of the greatest teams of all time. Almost healthy. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, they are they got all their players playing, yeah. right? Like, yep. that's much better than Denver can say. <laughs> that is true. They're just missing their center. But I think he's out for the rest of the year, right? And Wiseman. We got to see another Draymond Green game here. 12 points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 3 blocks. This dude is getting older, but his game is aging quite fine. Uh, just like the wine, which I know he is a big fan of. But Draymond just seems to do everything on the court here. I have to say that I think Ben Simmons is coming back soon for the Nets, and I think he's going to have a very, very similar role to Draymond Green. I think his role is definitely similar. I don't expect him to play like Draymond Green right away. Yeah, it might take him some time to to, to kind of get back up. Jordan Poole, man, that guy is incredible. Great player. Uh, another guy who's making himself a lot of money right now so does he move into your six-man role when you bring curry back as a starter oh yeah absolutely that team is so dangerous it really is it is a really dangerous team that's what i'm saying the warriors people are sleeping on the warriors i don't hear anybody talking about the warriors as a favorite or any even somebody saying they're going to the finals i mean neither of us picked them going to the finals 
but uh, they definitely have a shot here if they can remain healthy. They're just so well put together, so well balanced, um, and they share the ball. For a team that's got so much star power, 33 assists in this game one. They, they don't care who takes the shot as long as it's a good open shot. Yep. Favorite game you watched on Saturday, Cal? On Saturday? Uh, man, that's tough. Probably that Utah and Dallas game was much more entertaining than I thought it would be, especially yeah. for two teams that really didn't shoot very well. I had a lot of fun watching Minnesota and Memphis just because the, of the pace <clears throat> of that game. <laughs> Um, and uh, it was nice to see all the Warriors play together again for the first time, really, in three seasons. So, But pro the most fun game I watched was probably Minnesota and Memphis. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on here to Sunday. You ready to move on? Yep. Real quick, before we do that, Stephen wants to know if you guys like the play-in tournament. Does it have an impact on playoffs or not really? Well, I think it Definitely has an impact on the playoffs. You could I mean, ask the Clippers that yeah, question. Ask, ask the Clippers that question. They're they're not feeling very good about it right <laughs> now. I, I'm I'm mixed over. I'm mixed on the playing tournament overall. I still don't like it just because you've got. For example, this year you have a team in the New Orleans Pelicans who give them a lot of credit. They started off horribly. They made some really good moves at the deadline. They got a more talented team that finished out the regular season on a high note, um, mm -hmm. and they won the play-in tournament. But they're 10 games under 500. they They're probably not going to win a single game in the postseason. I'm not saying that the Clippers would have stood a much better chance against Phoenix than New Orleans, but the, the fact that the play-in tournament exists allows opportunities for bad teams to get into the playoffs. Yep. And it's the playoffs. You want to see the best teams play. So it's exciting for the fan base as far as like if your team is involved because they do have a chance. Um, but overall, I'm not sure exactly what it does. I, I love having six more games, but I think the winner of the play in tournament is Patrick Beverly watching the Clippers go home. <laughs> you know, they, they celebrated after that first game. You know, they, they sure were did. celebrating after the Clippers lost to the Pelicans as well. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. All right, so moving on here, the first game of Sunday's games, we have the Miami Heat defeating the winner of a play-in game, the Atlanta Hawks, 115-91. Clint Capella missed this game. Uh, we saw him go down in the previous game. He will be re-evaluated in about a week, uh, but it's not looking good for the Hawks. They did see John Collins return. He played 21 minutes, 10 points off the bench. But for me, the most disappointing thing about this entire game would be the performance by Trey Young. Yep. Only made one field goal. I think this is probably his worst game of his NBA career. One of 12, eight points, six rebounds, four assists, six turnovers. The Miami Heat had his number, Cal. They sure do. This is just not a fair fight. These teams do not match up very well against each other. Atlanta... Um, they are, have lived and died by the three-point shot all season long. Only problem is Miami is the number one three-point shooting team in the league, and if you look at the three-point shooting in this game, 27.8% for the Hawks, 47.4% for Miami, including mm -hmm. eight of nine from Duncan Robinson off the bench in 23 minutes. He had 27 points. Wow. If that's going to continue, 
no chance for Atlanta, no chance for probably a lot of teams. But Miami is just a really, really solid uh, perimeter defensive team. Their ability to switch, Bam Adebayo is just not fair. He can guard positions one through five. And that's why Trey Young and Kevin Herter are going to have a really, really difficult series because they're never going to see the light of day, Um, which was the problem that we kept pointing out with Cleveland in the playing game was they were letting Trey Young walk down the court and shoot 30-foot threes with nobody near him. Miami's not going to do that. Yeah, this is the ultimate reason that LeBron left Cleveland for Miami, right, was (laughs) the system. and. They're just not going to let Trey Young and Atlanta get those shots off. But it, it's crazy, man. I, if I were to tell you, Calvin, that Tyler Hero had six points in this game, went three for 11 from the field, 0 for 4 from three-point range, you would have been like, oh, it was either a close game or Miami right? would have lost that game. But it's even more than that. A combined 22 points from Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, and Tyler Hero. Yeah. Tyler Hero averages 20 a game himself. Yep. And they still won this game going away. So, yeah, Atlanta, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you better make your reservations in Cancun now. Miami does a great job of hiding Duncan Robinson on defense and showcasing him on offense. This game is a perfect example. As you said, 27 points, 9 of 10 from the field, 8 of 9 from, uh, from the three-point line. And some of those threes he hit, and, the defender might have been wearing the same jersey with him at the same time. <laughs> they were right up in his face. Didn't even phase him at all. Yeah, 21 points for the leader, Jimmy Butler, and an amazing 16 points from their free agent offseason acquisition, P.J. Tucker. Calvin, I, uh, I might be leaning towards this being a sweep. Uh, it's definitely looking like that to me uh, from after this game won. And again, injuries change this series, right? I'm not saying Atlanta would have won this series if uh, Clint Capella is healthy, but not having him in the middle there is, is a big, big loss, even with John Collins coming back. But he still you know, doesn't look quite like himself. Yeah, Stephen, I, I think there's no way Atlanta comes back to upset Miami. Uh you know, alert here. I chose Miami to go to the finals. So <laughs> that's going to happen. But without Clint Capella, you know, Atlanta's is really, really down players here. Clint Capella, as I mentioned last week, I think is the key to this team's success. When you shoot that many threes, it's so valuable to have a big guy like Capella inside that can either follow those up, get a rebound and a putback, or kick it back out and give you a second opportunity. I know they got John Collins back, but John Collins does not do what Clint Capella does on the offensive glass. He just does not. Definitely. I mean, this series is just Miami's strengths are too much better, and they counteract perfectly what Atlanta's strengths are. Yep. They're a phenomenal defensive team. Atlanta is the number one offensive efficiency team in the league all year, and it's been one of the best three-point shooting teams. But they're going to have a really hard time getting those things going. Even without Clint Capella, everybody thinks his impact is all rebounding and defense. He's a huge part of what they do on offense in the pick-and-roll game, Trey Young throwing him lobs. So not having that out there, uh, you know, only 91 points and less than 30% from three. Yep. Atlanta will not win any game uh, putting up those numbers. Gallinari leads the Hawks with 17 points in that game. 
he's going to have to have 17 in a few games here for them to even have a chance, but he cannot be the high yeah. scorer. He needs to have 17 points and be like the third or the fourth scorer on this Hawks team for them to even have a chance against this Miami Heat team. Uh, you know, that's just – Miami is set up so well here in the fact that they just have these guys. They have guys that are consistent and regular, and then they have guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson that can just get hot on a dime yeah. and totally blow out teams, and that's exactly what happened in this game. Are, are you going to give the Chuck guarantee that this is a sweep? I, I'm not guaranteeing any sweeps other than the Chicago <laughs> Bulls losing oh, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Straight to the heart right there. <laughs> All right, moving on here, Calvin. This is the game that I really want to talk about. The most exciting game of the weekend. Brooklyn visits uh, Boston, where Kyrie Irving flips off a bunch of fans. <laughs> and ultimately, Brooklyn loses 115-114 to a game-winning layup. Don't don't say that very often. A game yeah. winning layup by a, Jason Tatum. A game Tatum. winning layup that really shouldn't have even happened, but it <laughs> happened. What are your thoughts on this game, Cal? Man, th there's so much to talk about with this game. We don't really have enough time, actually, but this is definitely going to be the most exciting. This might be one of the most exciting, one or two most exciting playoff series for the whole playoffs. Uh, I mean, this is an Eastern Conference Finals worthy matchup that we are lucky to get to see in the first round. Kyrie was amazing. Um, he needs to be a little careful, though. <laughs> I mean, everybody's talking about how it's real great. He's embracing this dark side of the moon thing yeah. with Boston and all that stuff. He needs to check him, his emotions a little bit, though, because if he somehow walks his way into a suspension for a game because he's getting into it with fans or something... Uh, Brooklyn's out. Uh, they don't have any chance if they lose Durant or Irving for any of these games. So that that's the only thing that I'll say there. Um, I agree with what Charles Barkley said on TNT and that the Nets have to have these two guys play great in order to win. Yep, They're both capable of playing great every time, though, so that's why I'm not going to count them out necessarily. But you really got to see in this game why Boston – rose to the number two seed their defense was phenomenal in the fourth quarter down the stretch on all these guys irving durant none of them were able to get clean looks which for two of the best scorers maybe of all time mm -hmm. that's almost impossible to do and i give a huge shout out to al horford i thought this guy was dead to rights after that failed experiment in philadelphia i thought his career was over this guy guarded Kevin Durant one-on-one -on -one in job. clutch moments and didn't give up buckets. I don't even yep. know how that's possible, yeah. but he did it. And that is one of the biggest reasons why Boston has a great chance to not only win this series, but any series that they play in. Yeah, I was astounded by the defense that Al Horford, because I see KD and I see him going to the basket and he can't get past him. I'm like, who is that? Al Horford? Yeah. And then as soon as Jason Tatum switches back on him, KD goes right around him, gets whatever he wants. I, did, I, knew, I knew Al Horford was a good player, but I didn't know he could do that. That was incredible. Well, he certainly was very – I used to see that on a regular basis when he was in Atlanta and they were you know the number one seed in the yep. East. He could cover a ton of ground. Um, and then his ability to stretch the floor as well. 
But to get 20 points out of him and 15 rebounds and have him play defense like that on Durant down the stretch, not to mention he's the guy that they're blitzing Kyrie Irving with, too, mm-hmm. a lot of times. So huge, huge shout-out to Al Horford for the way he played in Game 1. Um, I think Boston has to be feeling, even though it was a really tightly contested game, they only won at the buzzer, I think Boston's got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Yeah, and, and they had him just a few years ago on the roster. They gave up on Al Horford, and they realized yep. we made a big mistake, and they brought him back, and he is definitely paying dividends for them. Kevin Durant, 23 points in this game, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block, six turnovers for him. Did not shoot well from the three-point line, only one for five. But Kyrie Irving is the one that did it all for the Nets. 39 points, five rebounds, six assists, four steals. He had more blocks than drinks of water in this game with (laughs) one incredible game from Kyrie Irving. Nine and nine from the free throw line, six of ten from three-point range. He was in his bag, as Mark Jones says. He was. The the guy is sensational. He's been playing at an all-world level ever since uh, he really came back to playing for the Nets in the first place. Now um, he's just going to continue this this pace, I think. Um, his shooting has been off the charts. But, yeah, that they the problem with Brooklyn is where, just like we were talking about with uh, Denver or some of these other teams, where is the rest of the offense mm-hmm. going to come from? I'm looking at Seth Curry. Yep. Nine points in this game, one of four from three, three of seven overall. They need him for his outside shooting, but they need him to be the third scoring option on this team right now. Yeah, yeah, I I think uh, Seth Curry's got to step up. I think Bruce Brown needs to step up in this game. I thought he was huge for them late in the season, hitting threes, uh, getting back cuts to the basket. Only five points for him in this game, which is four below his season average. If he gets his nine points, Brooklyn wins this game. If they would have just got a stop there at the end of this game, Brooklyn wins this game. I think that this, you know, you could take a lot of different things from this game. But for me, Kevin Durant only had 23 points in this game. I know Kyrie Irving went off and had an amazing game. But, you know, Kevin needs to be a little bit better. I don't say that very often. No, he does. You're absolutely right. I mean, He needs to be a a little better. Is is pretty much saying he's the reason the Nets lost this game. I'm not going to go that far. But, yeah, six turnovers, way too many. Um, The shooting, it's Kevin Durant. I'm not worried about him. He'll come back and hit threes, uh, you know, in the next – for the rest of the series. Like, he could be on fire. It's it's just what he does. But, yeah, he he does need to take care of the ball a little bit better, and I expect him to do that. This was a really physical game. Um, That's another thing I'm looking for going forward in this series is how it's officiated. The, the, there were a lot of guys in foul trouble in this game, but they also let a ton of stuff go. Mm-hmm. And this is maybe the most heatly uh, contested series in the playoffs. These teams really don't like each other. So uh, technicals, uh, the way the game's officiated, that will for sure be something to watch going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this series. I'm just going to go over Boston real quick. As I mentioned, they won 115-114, 31 points for Jason Tatum in this game. Four rebounds, eight assists, a steal, two blocks, five turnovers, 20 points, 15 rebounds for Al Horford, 20 points for Marcus Smart, seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, and 23 points for Jalen Brown. We didn't see much off the bench 
from Boston. They had a combined 17 points off the bench. I know they're dealing with some injury concerns as well. Uh, but it was a good game. Uh, for me, if I'm Boston, unfortunately I lose this game late at the buzzer. But I'm looking towards this game as a positive, right? We were able to stay in this game without our star player and Kevin Durant playing his best. And, you know, you know how the playoffs go and these series go is Boston did what they were supposed to do. They won one game at home. If Brooklyn wins this next game in Boston, they're heading home with the advantage. They stole home court. So I know it's only one game. It's only one win by Boston. But I, I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, mad at myself if I'm the Nets yet. No, I'm not either. And, Stephen, I, I believe Ben Simmons uh, says he's not, he won't come back before game four. It's games four, five, and six. That's the window that he's targeting for his return. And that's not where the scoring's coming from. No, definitely not. <laughs> All right. Man, that was such an exciting game. I, I can't wait for game two. Uh, anything else you want to touch on in this game? Can't wait for game two. <laughs> All right. Can't wait. All right. Moving on. Chicago visits Milwaukee, and they lose 93-86. Probably the lowest scoring game of the weekend. It was a defensive uh, battle here. 24 points for Vucevic, 17 rebounds. Huge game for him. 18 points for Zach Levine. And other than that, you know, you had 12 points off the bench. But where is the offense going to come from on this Chicago Bulls team, Calvin? Well, the offense is going to come from Levine, Vucevic, and DeRozan. The, this team uh, was... Levine and DeRozan were the best one-two punch scoring-wise of any duo in the NBA this year. And the team was one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league. I realize Milwaukee's a very good defensive team, but this is the reason why I'm going to tell you, Barry, that this is not a sweep. Chicago almost won this game on the road, shooting 32% from the field and 19% from three. Vucevic and Levine were a combined four of 20 from outside. That will not happen again. DeMar DeRozan will not go 6 for 25 again. The Bulls will get one game, at least, in this series. Okay, that sounds like a very, very hopeful fan there. <laughs> Moving on to the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo, 27 points, 16 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, 18 points for Brooke Lopez, and 15 points for Justin, or sorry, Drew Holiday. Other than that, 10 points off the bench for Bobby Portis. Uh, I think we saw him uh, elbow somebody in the face. Alex Caruso. In this game. And uh, Bucks win. <clears throat> Bucks win. I think you have them repeating as champions. Is that correct? I do have Milwaukee repeating as champions. I, I love this team. Um, but Chris Middleton's got to pick it up. Yep. I mean, we kind of talked about him going into the playoffs you know, he finished the year still averaging 20 points a game, but it, it felt like kind of an underwhelming season for him. Uh, and he only has 11 in this game, one, four of 13 from the field. If the Bucks are going to repeat as champions, he's got to get back to that elite all-star level play. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just like the other game, as I mentioned, this is only game one, the home team won. If you're Chicago, you're not beating yourself up. At this point, because you're like, hey, we only lost by seven. Uh, we're playing against the defending champions in their building. 
But, Calvin, what does Chicago need to do to come out firing in Game 2? Well, they've got to get off to a better start than they did in Game 1. I mean, they were laying a ton of bricks early. They dug themselves a huge hole uh, because Milwaukee was able to to get out to an early lead. But I, I'm, I'm not panicking if I'm Chicago. Uh, like I said, I've got big-time scorers on this team who had horrible shooting nights. Mm-hmm. I expect them to come out and play much better in game two, um, and then you go from there. Yeah, I think so. I think so, too. All right, let's move on here to another blowout. This is the Phoenix Suns defeating the New Orleans Pelicans. 110-99. The final score is much closer than this game actually was. Phoenix led by 23 at one point in this game. The Pelicans shot just below 38% from the field. However, they were able to get some garbage time points to make their fans feel a little bit better. Brandon Ingram, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 18 points for Valanchunas, 25 rebounds. Yeah, huge huge game for him. 25 points for CJ McCollum. Basically, their big three did it for them. Uh, Larry Nance, 14 points off the bench, and they had absolutely no chance in this game. 55 points combined between Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Aiton put in another big game with 21 points. Calvin, I should have picked a sweep here. Yeah, this series does not look like it's going to go longer than four games. Um, It's just another one of those situations where New Orleans – Bless their hearts. They played great down the stretch. They mm-hmm. won the playing tournament. And your prize is playing the best team in the league, or at least the team that's been the best team in the league record-wise all season long. They just don't have enough. I mean, their, their bench really is not going to provide anything for them. Larry Nance with 14 points off the bench, um, you know, that is maybe even a little higher than I would expect. But Phoenix just has too much. I mean, DeAndre Ayton, four blocks in this game. I think he defended something like 34 shots, and the mm-hmm. uh, Pelicans only made seven of those shots that he defended. He's a huge game-changer inside, and Chris Paul, when he's healthy, I mean, the type of game that this guy had, 30 points, 10 assists, 3 steals, 7 rebounds, and he missed 4 shots. Wow. He's playing he, for a new all, contract. All-time great point guard. Uh, like, you know, he almost makes Devin Booker – Games seem <laughs> insignificant, you know. Yeah, you know, not that. Oh, I just noticed we got Boogie Cousins up there in a Pelicans jersey. Uh, <laughs> you know, the not that the Clippers really had a chance in this series, but I think this is going to be the series that everyone's going to point to, and they're going to say this is why the playing tournament is a bad idea, because teams like the Pelicans that get hot late in the season get lucky and win the play-in series, get matched up with the number one seed in the West, uh, and just totally get annihilated in this series. You know, I I see what you're saying here in the chat, Stephen, and I agree. If Zion, if Zion can come back next season and be healthy, be his normal productive self, I like the Pelicans team. I think they're definitely on the up and up. But as far as this series goes, they are dead in the water. It's a dead Pelican getting beat by the sun. Yeah, yeah. In the desert, no water anywhere near that Pelican. It's over. Um, and, yeah, you're, you're right. You do 
kind of, uh, you love the idea of what this New Orleans team is going to look like with Zion coming back, but you still need to see them play together. It's not a, a foregone conclusion um, that you add Zion into this team and they're already one of the four best teams in the Western Conference. So, Most exciting game of the entire weekend for you, Calvin. I already know mine. I'm picking Nets-Celtics. Oh, easily. I, I don't see how you could pick another game. Okay. There, was, there were a lot of really, really good games and a lot of exciting moments in the playoffs, but that game alone, <laughs> yeah. it's got everything that you want in a playoff series. I was just really overall excited to watch the NBA playoffs. We're finally back to like a normal schedule, right? Last season was kind of shortened and dates were moved around, stuff like that. It finally feels like we're back in real life and we are here with the NBA playoffs. I'm excited for all these game twos. I really am. Oh, yeah. Should we it talk about them? better. Should we talk about them? Mm -hmm. We got three awesome games today. First off, we have Toronto visiting Philadelphia for game two of uh, Raptors Sixers. Then next up, we have the Utah Jazz visiting the Dallas Mavericks to play another game without Luka Doncic. And then we have Denver going into Golden State for Game 2 of Nuggets Warriors. Real quick, Calvin, before we dive into these individual games, which game are you most excited to watch today? Uh, it's probably Golden State again, um, just because these other two series, I mean, they're exciting for their own reasons, but health um, is going to play a big fact. Health plays a big role in all of these series mm -hmm. but the nuggets have been playing without michael porter and jamal murray basically all season uh, these other series have fresh new injuries that are really going to change the complexity of both of those series so i'm excited to see golden state at full strength again <laughs> basically is what i'm saying yeah it is it is really exciting to see them at full strength for me i i think you know just overall I'm really excited to see what Philadelphia is going to do here. You know, was that a one-off game for Tyrese Maxey where he just just played incredible? What's James Harden going to do in this game? Yep. And how All is, eyes on James yeah, once again. How is Joel Embiid going to respond after what many would call a mediocre game for him? And, and that's not a knock on him at all. That's just showing what we really expect from this guy because how incredible of a player he really is. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that first game. I want to know whether Philadelphia is the real deal or not. Uh, I, I know what I'm going to get out of Golden State. Um, I think Utah should have a much better game, uh, you know, without Luka Doncic than they did in the last one. But uh, I'm really looking forward to see how Philadelphia performs today. Yeah, I, I think definitely all eyes are going to be on James Harden in Philadelphia for as long as they're playing in the postseason. Um, Steven, by the way, thank you for all these comments, man. It's really been great to have you in the chat here for this show. I love your question here about the 82 game season. I think there's definitely, um, there's a lot to talk about with that. And my biggest reason for why it might be too many games is you just look across the NBA and how many big name players, superstar level players missed a ton of time in the past couple of seasons. Yep. So it, it begs the question. A lot of people wondered what type of impact COVID and the bubble going from the break to all of a sudden playoff basketball again, the schedule uh, being shortened and all that stuff, not mm -hmm. as much time to recover in the offseason for some playoff teams. A lot of people wondered what type of impact that would have on player health in the league. 
And player health is down right now. It's a huge problem for the NBA to have all these guys miss. I mean, you can look at a lot of All-Stars miss the entire season this year. So I think there's definitely something um, to, to focus on when it comes to that. They might want to adjust the schedule, make it 72 games or something like that. And I agree with you on all your picks, too. I got the Sixers, Warriors, and Jazz winning games, too. I'm a little game mixed on, on the 82 games thing, and this is why. First off, looking from a fan's perspective, I want more basketball to watch, right? That's selfish of me. I you know, acknowledge that, but it is exciting to watch. But wouldn't you want to watch less basketball but with all the players that you really want to see as opposed to 82 games when – You've got meaningless games that have six, seven guys out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, part of that was COVID this season, right? Where guys were just out, where we missed like half well, of yeah, the team. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I'm talking about actual injuries. Yeah. Know? I mean, I feel like we are seeing a delayed uh, response from everybody being locked inside from the pandemic and all these players missing out on their normal schedules, their normal rehab, their normal things. Uh, we saw it with Clay Thompson. He said that his rehab during the pandemic took a, a step in the wrong direction. Then he goes and re-injures himself. Uh, I think if you look before this, there are a lot of players that played all 82 games or very close to it. I'm talking like 2019, 18, all before then. We even saw LeBron do it, and we saw him you know, play a ton of games at like age 37 and all that. But I do understand the ability that some players' bodies do not last the same, right? And some players need a little bit more rest. I understand that. I don't know exactly how the league's going to figure that out. They need to. That's something they need to address. But if I could take this topic in a different direction, this is why I picked the Brooklyn Nets to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Kyrie Irving, as amazing of a player as he's been, has had all sorts of injuries in his college career his nba career his body doesn't seem to be one of these guys that can last for 82 games he's a part-time player this season now he's a full-time player he's coming into the playoffs refreshed ready to ready to go i could say a similar thing for ben simmons i know he's dealing with back injuries and we don't know how long it's been since he's played but i could see if he is able to come back game four maybe it takes him a series to readjust maybe two series but when we're getting closer and closer to the Western Conference, Eastern Conference finals, he could find his stride and be perfectly healthy at that point. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. And ultimately, I, I think it's moot, right? Like every professional sports league is they're not reducing games. They're adding games. The NFL just added baseball is games. way too long. Yeah, baseball. I'll, I'll give you that. That's one. not even a. I don't think we even need to go there. It's <laughs> 162 games is absurd, and that's the one sport where uh, I mean injuries do happen, right? But it's the yeah. least contact sport out of all of those. So you generally are are safer when it comes to major injuries in baseball. Anyway, but a that's that's a whole another <laughs> whole another topic. And professional sports owners, there's just too much money. They're not going to lose out on dropping yeah. these games especially after covid and you know sports leagues took huge hits financially all over the world there's no no argument from their perspective to be made right now about reducing the number of games yep a couple of injury notes here as far as this raptors sixers game as calvin mentioned earlier in the podcast scotty barnes is out 
Gary Trent Jr. is listed as day-to-day, and Thaddeus Young is also listed as day-to-day. Charles, uh, is it Bassey, is out for the yes. Sixers, and Jaden Springer is listed as day-to-day. Doesn't matter. Those without two guys wouldn't have played anyway. <laughs> right. Without Scotty Barnes, this is not looking good for the Toronto Raptors at all. No, it's, it's huge. I mean, his impact defensively, offensively, we're talking about the uh, – I think most people's front runner for rookie of the year this year, it's going to be a huge, huge loss. I just want to look back here real quick. I think this game was on April 7th. The Toronto Raptors were able to defeat the Philadelphia 76ers. It was April 7th, 119-114. I'm just looking here at the box score. Only eight points for Tobias Harris, 18 for Danny Green, 30 for Embiid, 22 for Maxi, 13 for James Harden, 30 points for Gary Trent Jr. in a huge game, 37 for Pascal Siakam. Calvin, what does Toronto need to do to mirror this game and get another win over this Philadelphia team? Well, they're going to have to have similar types of games out of their big guys like you just mentioned uh, pascal siakam and all them they've got to get it going offensively um, but more importantly they've got to be better defensively they allowed philadelphia to shoot over 50 percent from both the field and from the three-point line in game one 131 points is way too much to give up uh, you, you're not going to win many playoff games you're not going to win many regular season games giving up 130 points So they've got to be better in transition. I thought Philadelphia did a really good job of getting out and running. Tyrese Maxey was all over the court, uh, and that's the real key for them, right? Like, you know, they did a pretty good job containing Embiid, only 19 points, 5 of 15 shooting. James Harden had an okay game, over 20 points, 4 of 7 from 3, but you allow Tyrese Maxey to go for almost 40. That just cannot happen again. You want to make a prediction on the game today? I'm still going to take Philadelphia to win just because I just talked about how they need to be much better defensively and they're going to be without one of their top defenders in Scotty Barnes. So still taking the Sixers. I think we're all taking the Sixers here. The question for you is how many points are they going to win by? I expect it to be another double-digit win. I really do. Okay. Uh, I, I think James Harden will be better i don't know about how much better but i expect him to have a more james harden like game i think Embiid will score more than 19 points as well uh, and that just allows for guys like tobias harris and tyrese maxey mm-hmm. to again have all the pressure taken off of them they'll get open looks uh, it's just one of those things where they've got too many options right now for a team that's going to be limited um, without one of their better defenders yep i agree all right let's move on to game two The Utah Jazz head back to Dallas to face the Mavericks. Luka Doncic is listed as day-to-day. However, uh, I think he will miss this game. Frank Nielakina is also listed as out. And for the Utah Jazz, Trent Forrest is out. What are your thoughts on this game, Cal? Utah is favored by five. I like Utah in this game again, you know, for the reasons that we mentioned earlier, I think Utah will shoot better from outside in this game. That's been one of their strengths for the past couple of seasons. Um, And again, it's just a, an issue for Dallas who has to have such a a play, such a perfect game offensively without Luka Doncic 
they're going to be at home. They'll have the crowd behind them again. So that's definitely going to help. But I think Utah will play a little bit better offensively, which means they'll probably end up winning the game. You know, I, I don't expect them to blow it out by any means unless they yeah. shoot 50% from three or something like that. But I think Utah's due for one of those really, really good offensive performances. Dallas going into this series with 4 and 0, but that is without their star player or that was with their star player Luka Doncic who they no longer have uh they didn't have him for game 1 as I mentioned he is doubtful for game 2. The Mavericks team basically needs to keep this ship floating while the captain is gone and hopefully they can bring him back and this ship hasn't taken on too much water yep. uh that they can bail themselves out but unfortunately I think that not having Luka Doncic for multiple games on this series will ultimately be too much for the Dallas Mavericks to handle. I agree with that. I also think Dallas is the one team in the postseason that has to change their style of play more than any other team in order to win this series. And what I mean by that is Dallas has been the slowest paced team in the league all year long. And that's because they've got a great half-court offense with a guy like Luka Doncic, who is so good at scoring and finding other guys uh, to get their shots, right? Mm -hmm. So without him, you're playing against a team that has a, another guy uh, or a player who's being mentioned for Defensive Player of the Year again, and they're a good half-court defense team because they have that rim protector up front, right? So Dallas really has to start pushing the ball and playing at a faster pace so they can get looks inside before Utah's defense gets set. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But uh, I'm going to take Utah in this game. I, I, I just am. I, I can't bet on the Mavericks without Luka Doncic. I, I agree 100%. I can't. All right, moving on to the third and last game of the day. Denver goes back to Golden State. To face the Warriors, the Warriors are predicted by ESPN. They have a 77.7% chance Pretty wild. of winning this game. As we mentioned, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., both out for the Denver Nuggets. It's uh, Nikola Jokic against the world and the Golden State Warriors in this game. I'm picking the Warriors. I think Steph Curry will end up starting in this game. And I think Jordan Poole will probably have 20-something points off the bench, lead them to a victory. I'm expecting a double-digit win by the Warriors. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't see any reason why Golden State shouldn't win this game by more than 10. The, uh, the only thing I will say is Jokic is a, a great enough player that he could change one game in this series. So if he comes out and, and goes for another, like, 40 point, you know, 15 rebound, 11 assist game. Obviously, Denver is going to have a much better chance to win. Um, and I expect him to have at least one game like that in this series. I don't know if it'll be tonight, though. That's the thing. Yeah, we have another exciting schedule, another exciting day of basketball here. I hope you guys are excited because I really am. Uh, and then we're going to do another episode of Basketball at the Bar tomorrow at. 12 p.m. noon Hawaii Standard Time. That's 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Calvin, let's jump here into some injury updates. As I mentioned, John Collins is back for the Atlanta Hawks. He missed quite a few weeks with, I think, a finger injury. 
he is back and ready to play. Clint Capella is out for at least a week to be reevaluated. We saw Steph Curry return. Scotty Barnes is out due to injury. Any other injuries we need to keep an eye on here? As I mentioned, Luka Doncic. Uh, yeah, Luka for sure. Um, I mean, Clint Capella is another one. I, I'm, I think he is it probably going to be very unlikely to play for the next couple of games. Um, and then it's just a question of whether when Ben Simmons decides he's ready to play as well. Yeah, Lou Williams is still out for the Hawks. We have Robert Williams is out for the Celtics, uh, at least for the first-round series. And then Ben Simmons hopefully will be back uh, within a couple days. We'll see. That That's exciting. That's really exciting. You're you're still not sold on Ben Simmons and what he can bring to the team this offseason, right? I mean, this I, playoffs. I just think it's... You know, people are talking a lot about Zion returning, right? At least we've seen Zion doing all these crazy 360 dunks and through-the-legs dunks. Ben Simmons, I want to know the actual number of days he's practiced in the last year, mm -hmm. let alone played. And he's just gotten traded to a brand-new team. I don't think he's practiced with them once since he's been traded. So, yep. I mean, he's done some, like, you know, workouts and stuff, but he hasn't actually practiced with this team. He hasn't played since June of last season. They're, they're asking an awful, awful lot of him to throw him into this type of series with a Boston team that's going to be breathing down their neck. Uh, it, it's, it's a big, big hurdle for him to climb, I think. Yeah, they are definitely rooting for the Philadelphia 76ers to lose whatever momentum that Ben Simmons can gain uh, in these few games. If he does have to end up going against his old team in the 76ers and go back into that building and play in that atmosphere, I think that will negatively impact him. So, you know, I, I don't root against any player. I want him to come back strong and healthy. Uh, and it'll be exciting to see what he can bring to the Brooklyn Nets uh, they've had an up-and-down season, as we mentioned, 11-game losing streak. They were so good early on in the season. Then they fall down in the standings. But, hey, they have a chance here. They do have a chance to upset the number two seed in the Boston Celtics. Oh, they have a very good – well, they have a definite chance, a, a more than a puncher's chance. Yep. You want to give an update on I Imani Bates? Uh, yes, Imani Bates, one of the highest-rated high school recruits in the country last season, uh, decided to go play his freshman year at the University of Memphis with Penny Hardaway. He is announcing that he will enter the transfer portal. Had a pretty disappointing season there. Memphis as a team ha overall had a pretty disappointing season. They just never seemed to kind of reach the potential that they all expected to. Uh, this guy's a kid from uh, the southeastern portion of Michigan, and uh, set all kinds of records there, projected to be one of the top picks in the eventual draft. So somebody is going to land a really, really talented player here in, in the transfer portal. You don't usually see yep. the top like two or three recruits in the country entering the transfer portal. I think he declared for Michigan State, right, and then back out to he go to Memphis. He originally verbally said he would go to Michigan State and then opted out. Yeah. Yep. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him. I don't know if any of you guys play NBA 2K, but uh, Calvin and I are big NBA 2K fans. And uh, Calvin would always draft Imani Bates. Oh, every time. And the dude would turn into a complete stud. So, uh, you know, we welcome him to the league, and we want to see what he can bring. 
All right, Calvin, we don't have a ton of people watching live, but I do want to open it up here into Q&A. It is the last part of this show. If you did enjoy the show, please make sure to hit that like button. Please subscribe to the channel. Let us know in the chat or down below in the comments. If you have any thoughts on any of these teams, let us know which game you or which series you are most excited uh, and waiting for. But Calvin, let's go into Q&A. So I, I see a bunch of messages here from Steven. I know we've been uh, going back and forth. Any of these that you want to touch on? Uh, let's see. I think we managed to get most of these. I saw some early. Oh, Gotham wanted to know what we were drinking. That would be Coors Light. <laughs> What's on the jukebox? Uh, that's our own jam, Gothin. We talked about dark horse for the playoffs. We talked about underrated and overrated teams. Steven says LeBron needs to take his talents to Sacramento. <laughs> we will call <laughs> we we will call him Sacramento King James. I like it. <laughs> Priest says, "What are your thoughts on the Utah Jazz?" I think we touched on that already. All right, I think we answered all these questions. I am just super excited for another day of NBA playoffs, another week of NBA playoffs. We have an action-packed week for you all here. We are doing five new live shows this week. This is show one. Uh, then we'll be live again on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We are holding off on the weekend content for now, but we are here. We're drinking some beers we're talking about basketball, and we're just having an overall awesome time watching these NBA playoffs. I hope you are too. Calvin, anything else you want to uh, say before we end the stream here? Thanks for watching. Hope you guys have fun watching the games today. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, guys. Bars closed here. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you check out all three games to do, uh, today, and we will see you tomorrow, as I mentioned, 12 o'clock noon Hawaii time, 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the channel. Thank you all. Have a good day, you dirty animals, and don't forget to tip your bartender.